and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. This is And we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for Labor Day. We are, and we're not even close to it. <laughs> I I might have made this joke already in the previous episode, where is it the holiday, or is it that Kate Winslet goes into labor? Or I think it's a that, little bit of all that. Yeah, Brolin's uh, wife also goes into labor at some point in the movie. Well, I think well, that, that's, that happens off camera. As we learned by the end, all it was was the five best days of Josh Rowland's life. <laughs> Should be Labor Weekend. <laughs> well, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day, yeah, we, we're uh, about eight months shy of that. We've got September 4th is Labor Day here in the States, three-day weekend. But back in the year of 1987, a cosmic gumbo... As Santa would say, or a, a, an aligning of the stars happened, literally, as Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin took center stage in the Jason Rettman directed and penned, uh, or adapted, I should say, uh, film Labor Day. Jason Reitman, just hot off the heels of just a string of amazing movies. It was Thank You for Smoking, Juno, Up in the Air, and then Young Adult, and then Labor Day. In the vein of Reindeer Games, a... A Christmas movie released in February, a movie called Labor Day, was released in January here by Paramount Pictures. Streaming on Paramount Plus. I assume that's where you watched it as well, Julio? Uh, actually, it's also streaming on Prime, so I, I watched it on Prime. Nice. Well, It's everywhere. <laughs> they want you to watch this movie. As it should be. Uh, we'll get to eventually. Uh, not quite sure why it's not more talked about in one way or the other. But uh, we'll get to Labor Day in just a moment here. First of all, welcome to The Contrarians. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Julio, how are you doing this evening? My allergies are kicking my ass. It could be just all the emotions coming out of Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, that sniffly has nothing to do with allergies and all to do with emotion. Pie making. But uh, how are you doing? You ready to continue on our Mount Rushmore with an asterisk journey? <laughs> Yes, we're past the asterisk. We're now into a, a bona fide head in the in the Rushmore uh, project here, the Contrarians. Uh, dude, I mean, it's well documented. My love for Kate Winslet, uh, my favorite actress ever. Period. There's nothing. Throw Labor Day at me, and this is this is nothing. I I can I can say nice things about any movie of hers, uh, and I saw this in theaters, Alex. So 
it's like I've been prepared for this my whole life. It is also well documented heavily uh, from those who know me and also those who follow me on social media. My love and admiration for Kate Winslet's outfit at the 2016 Academy Awards uh, <laughs> with her thick frame glasses that just damn near gave me a heart attack. Uh, but also, yeah, she's a great actress and everyone knows I fucking love Titanic and uh, Contagion. She's, um, I mean, she's here for a reason. She's uh, one of the more celebrated actors, you know, of our lifetime. And uh, most recently, just cash and checks again, uh, appearing in Avatar <laughs> The Way of Water. Not quite in the same vein as this. Uh, but. This is, uh, by the way, Alex, since you brought up t- Titanic, I was, I was wondering if it, if I needed to, to ask the question, but it, it's there now. Is this movie more romantic than Titanic? I commented watching this that Kate Winslet specializes in the rushed uh, romance <laughs> stories. <laughs> you know, Titanic, we're talking like 12 to 18 hours into each other. Uh, here, you know, there's at least a few days and whatnot, but yeah, uh, by comparison, they they really took their time in this one. See, there's the nude drawing in Titanic, but then this one has dancing. So, like, <laughs> le- learn uh, the one of them teaching the other one, you know, how to dance or whatnot. So, not to say Titanic doesn't have its fair share of dancing in the uh, the pores room or whatever they call it down there, the, the commoners. This is more intimate. This is more intimate. Instead of a giant-ass ship, we're just basically confined to the this home for a weekend. Um, but let's go ahead and introduce ourselves uh, from our podcasting perspective. I'm Alex. He's Julio. We are the Contrarians. Here on the Contrarians, we like to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated, a lot of times known as Certified Fresh. And what we'll do with that film is bring it down to size, talk about maybe some of the things, aspects of it that are a little bit overrated or, uh, uh, you know, some of the more unmatured uh, or just downright bad aspects of the movie that for whatever reason, critics seem to gloss right over uh, or sweep under the rug, even if it's part of the agenda, like uh the, the Oscar noms just came out. There's a few movies I saw in there that really felt like part of an agenda. And, you know, some of that will uh, stem from what these critics say about it. Conversely, on alternating episodes, we'll find a movie that is rotten, a lowly rated film. We typically shoot about 30% and below. Uh, Labor Day comes in at 34%. So, bend in a little bit of our own rules, but, you know, this is still well within bounds. Not too far outside of our limits. Doesn't stray too far off the beaten path here. And what we'll do is, as you can guess, we will talk about this film's positive merit, build it up, talk about under-celebrated acting, uh, cinematography, in this case, just unbelievable casting, um, Original storytelling choices, score sometimes comes into play. Whatever we need to do to build this movie up and say, "Hey, this is a, this thirty-four percent rating," you know, uh, might be a little bit uh, unbalanced. And uh, we do we do this show and we do that for mainly two reasons. One, this shit is subjective. You can be as over the moon about something as you want to be, or if you set your mind to it, you can be as downright cynical about something as you want to be. And number two. That Rotten Tomatoes score uh, doesn't really tell the whole story. And Rotten Tomatoes themselves don't really go out of the way to say, hey, this score may not mean what you think it means. And so Julio and I, that's where we come in. We do that groundwork for them. The most recent victim or crime, I should say, of the the Rotten Tomatoes system is uh, people were going around comparing Way of Water to Puss in Boots. Did you see these memes, Julio? No. <laughs> it was like 
Avatar Way of Water was like at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes and Puss in Boots was like at 90. But uh, a lot of the memes <laughs> cut off the uh, amount of reviews, whereas, you know, Avatar has like 300 reviews and Puss in Boots had like, you know, 90 or something like that. And it just goes to exactly what we've always talked about. It's like, yeah, the, these percentages are made from sample size, dog. Like there's some movies we've done before that have like literally seven reviews. So tangent aside, go see Way of Water. What I just described, though, comprises the first portion of our podcast, what we refer to as Contrarian's Corner. Julio, if listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're discussing, they just have to stick around for part two. Check out uh, the second half of the show. That's correct. Part two, aptly titled Real Talk, is where we tell you how we really feel. How do we feel about James Rowland's Peach Pies? That's that You can only find out in Real Talk. Uh, like I said, I've seen this movie once before. Alex, you said it was it came out in January. I want to say I saw it on uh, uh, Valentine's Day weekend. I, I thought it was a Valentine's Day release, but I, I guess I could be wrong. Maybe I just didn't rush to theaters. I had an impression of the movie back then, and I have an impression of the movie now that I just rewatched it. Uh, is it the same? You'll find out then. Uh, as for you, Alex, am I right in thinking that you hadn't really that you thought you'd seen this movie, but you really hadn't? Because based on the couple of texts that you shot me while you were watching them, they sounded too incredulous to come from someone that had seen this movie before. Oh, no. Yeah, I'd never seen it. I remember the trailers I found funny because uh, I was still working at the theater at the time. And I remember the trailers I found uh, really melodramatic. And then I saw the January release date. I was like, oh, Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin in a January movie. Uh, and then, but like none of the trailers, uh, unless I'm misremembering horrendously, I remember all the advertising material was just like the romance, the pie making. It didn't at <laughs> all call out the fact that he's holding this woman hostage. And that's like, <laughs> when I read the initial reviews and watched a little bit of it, I was like, hold on. You know, I was up in the booth, like kind of watching a little bit. And it's like, he's a criminal on the lamb. <laughs> and now she's getting Stockholm syndrome. What the fuck? That's a that's a kind of complex story that requires talents like uh, uh, Winslet's and Brolin's. Uh, no, yeah, that's so. Alex is a first timer. I'm a second timer here, and uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of have an idea. We definitely this movie definitely made an impression. Now we're going to elaborate on that impression once we we get to real talk. But before, because it's rotten, we're going to praise it, whether we believe it or not. In Contrarian's Corner, this is my mother. Adele. Mom, this is Frank. He needs our help. You got a good boy here, Adele. He's kind enough to offer me a ride. Oh. Um. Well, he may have, but we have a big afternoon. I don't think we can help you. Oh, that's a shame. Thought we could have a catch. So 34% based on uh, a 205 review sample size. That's just what I was talking about just a second ago. Those things can, uh, you know, the smaller the size, the, the less credible. But with a pool of 205 reviews, I think that 34% represents at least what these critics think of it. Uh, what were they saying about Labor Day, Julio, about Miss Kate Winslet and uh, is it Thanos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's her name in Avatar? I don't know, TikTok. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me look it All up right. for you real quick. <laughs> Kate Winslet is Ronal, Ronal. Uh, McDonald? You know, 
yeah, speaking to my points of uh, Avatar, I, you don't remember really anyone's character's name except for fucking Jake Salee, but, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> 34%, two mega stars on the screen at once, just flew right over the heads of many critics, though, who were saying what, Julio? Well, I, I plucked some rotten quotes from the sea of green splotches on that website. And we're going to start with Mark Jackson from the Epoch Times, who says, Labor Day is an example of why, when the world self-destructs, all that will be left is cockroaches and romance novels. And Keith Richards. Okay, never mind that last one. I guess. Judgment Day. Rise of the machines. <laughs> all that's left is cockroaches and John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> and romance novels that's that's what the resistance is reading to pass the time um i i mean that makes it sound like i there's a reason why romance novels are resilient because i think that they're out of all the genres are probably the one of the most relatable there's, there's nothing wrong with that and I, like I said, Jason Reitman, I, I applaud the fact that he decided to pivot into a different genre after, you know, doing movies that were more like the standard movies that you would make to get Oscars and whatever. And now here he's like, I'm going to do one from the heart, <laughs> one that's going to survive the apocalypse. Uh, but speaking of uh, romance novels, uh, Avril Halley from Movie Bitches says, basically, imagine a Nicholas Spark movie, but without the cheese. Uh, I mean, there's still plenty of food in this. It might not just be cheese directly. There's We get there's to see dairy. Josh Brolin make chili and pie and <laughs> shit. It's fantastic. But, well, he makes biscuits. I mean, we don't see them make the biscuits, but we see the end result. It's true. He might have put a little bit of cheddar in them, too, like a Red Lobster style. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we both saw Kate Winslet's face when she bit into that biscuit. There was cheese in there. <laughs> And again, nothing wrong with being compared to Nicholas Spark. I mean, he's he's kind of like a household name. He's a franchise of his own. Yeah, I, th- I think he's all right. He's well off with the, the finances, so I'd like to be compared <laughs> to him also. Amanda Griever from the Daily Times, Tennessee, says, The romance, while ridiculous, can probably scratch the itch of sappy people who don't know any better. That's <laughs> sappy such a fucking condescending review. <laughs> Okay, Amanda, what do you like? Probably some uh, Charlie Kaufman bullshit. (laughs) Uh, We'll get a close with uh, Sean Burns from the Improper Bostonian, who says, So histrionically abysmal that it makes you realize how lazy and complacent most other movies are in their banal mediocrity. The atrociousness is thrilling. As I left the theater, I felt alive again. Well, Sean, now you're talking. Yeah. of what made him feel alive? I'm sorry. How bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He, I, I guess he likes the fact that this movie doubled down on how bad it was. It wasn't just a lazy bad. It was a, 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 an abysmal bad. Frankly, this needs to happen. All right, Julio. Once more, Jason Reitman directed and adapted the novel Labor Day from Joyce Maynard for his. January 31st, 2014 release, um, premiered at the Telluride Film Festival on August 29th of 2013. I'm curious what the studio discussions were at that point in time, and also the initial feedback that led it to getting the dreaded January release slot. But uh, whatever the case, a budget of $18 million, a box office return of just a little bit over 20. Uh, We go back to 1987 in this one. 
as Adele Wheeler is a depressed single mother who lives in a rural home with her 13-year-old son. You're not 13 in sixth grade. That kid must have gotten held back. He was too sensitive. He was. Uh, His name's Henry. While they are shopping, a man approaches Henry and makes them take him home to look after him. The man is revealed to be Frank Chambers, an escaped convict wanted by the police. Uh, So the first thing that stands out from this movie is your narrator. It is the one, the only Peter Parker. It is Tobey Maguire that is uh, leading us through this tale. I mean, we would have to wait, uh, what, almost two decades for Spider-Man and, and Thanos to really face each other, just, you know, in the same frame. But here we get at least, you know, narration from Spider-Man and then kind of a hug at the end. It's it's the beginning. Are they in the same movie together? Yeah, you've seen it. Infinity War. Tobey Maguire's not in it, though. Oh, no, no, no. But it's oh, Spider-Man, okay. the character. Oh. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing if they would also put mcguire there but come on if the mcu knows something it's restrained so yeah henry's parents are split uh his dad i'm trying to remember the actor's name uh clark greg clark greg a perennial that guy agent colson i'm sorry but he's no longer a, a that guy who's that agent colson he gets killed in the avengers come on man you gotta keep up okay <laughs> no you really don't remember him he uh, Loki do, kills him. I do now. It, doesn't he work with Robin Trubatsky? Uh Yes. Okay. Yeah, he does. Mostly know him as a, uh, a that guy. But he's the dad. Seems kind of like a disconnected dad, a little bit despondent. Kate Winslet clearly cares about her son, Henry, but she, you know, she obviously has some issues. She seems to be kind of known around town as a bit of a kook. <laughs> a kook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is how the, the movie presents her. And then... Uh, we eventually we get treated to her backstory and it's it's worth the wait so they are milling around town at the piggly wiggly or food town i can't remember what it's called the grocery store they go to or the supermarket but i will say in the next scene we see grocery bags that are specifically made for this fictional supermarket so that way you know it's a real movie they went through the process of making props like that they really made them it's not cgi uh, bags these are practical. The cars aren't CGI, <laughs> so it's at least one step up from a lot of the shit we were see today. Um, <laughs> but I shit you not, Josh Brolin comes into frame looking exactly like if Llewellyn Moss didn't die <laughs> at the end of No Country for Old Men and was still on the run from Anton Chigar. He talks the same way. He like In No Country, he had about the same length of hair. He didn't have a goatee, but he had the mustache with the soul patch. So I can believe he grew that out in the time being. And I just thought immediately he got shot. Like, because he's bleeding from his abdomen. This isn't, you know, Josh Brolin is not an actor who plays the same thing in every role. But my God, he is Llewellyn Moss. Llewellyn Moss. Yeah, he's, uh, that's crazy. I hadn't made that connection, man. I, I, I think because he's such a bigger star now that... I don't think of him as, I mean, we're, you know, we're joking about Thanos, but really you just see him and you, you're like, that's Brolin. And what I think of when I think of Josh Brolin is exactly what he brings to this part, which is that uh, alpha male energy that, you know, he's, he's like a dude and he doesn't have to do anything but talk to you and tell you that he needs you to do something and you'll do it. So that's the kind of actor you need for this part where you're going to have somebody basically take this uh, mom and her son hostage without even having a weapon on him for, for that kind of, you know, you need somebody that exudes the energy that Josh Brolin exudes. Yeah. A guy that just can say, this is going to happen. 
He even says that he, this needs to happen. Yeah. Because she, right. she's saying, no, we're not taking you home, that type of thing. Like, I'm not asking. <laughs> so they take him home, and he eventually ties up Kate Winslet. He's pretty nice and cordial to them, but he ties her up because he says, you know, I need to do this so when the cops inevitably come, you have this rope and you can say that I tied you up and it wouldn't be a lie, that type of thing. Um, but we learn, Julio, he's escaped. He was in a local hospital for surgery, uh, but he was on prison leave for that. And he jumped out the second story window to escape. You know, somewhere the Safdie brothers were watching this and like, all right, prisoner in a hospital <laughs> that needs to be sprung. We could do something with this. All right. Let's Robert. get rid of all the romantic stuff because that's that's not that's not interesting. Let's let's stay with the convict. Uh Alex, this is uh my favorite part of the movie, I think, or my favorite element in the movie is that they learn a lot of what happened because the the news, you know, they, they, they turn the TV on and the news are just talking about this dude 24-7. And they explain that, <laughs> they say, uh, citizens beware because he's a murderer. He's He was in prison for murder. And the way that we are programmed to just interpret movies and our expectations, you know, to set our expectations is that, oh, this is going to be... A misunderstanding, right? Like even Brolin himself says, like oh, that's not really what happened. There's there's a lot more to the story. So you are expecting the entire movie to uh, <laughs> you're you're waiting for the big reveal where they're gonna explain how he ended up in jail, but surely it was not murder. And uh, I mean, jumping ahead just a little bit or a lot, it was he did kill a person. <laughs> I think in the eyes of the law, it might have been manslaughter, not necessarily murder, but he still killed someone. Yeah, I mean, tomato, tomato, like that. <laughs> That's that's what I like. That he the the movie makes you fall in love with him the, the same way that Kate Winslet and the kid fall for him, and then you're confronted with the fact that no, he he's still somebody like he ended someone's life through an act of violence even. So it, it's uh it's not like that thing where they take the easy way out. They're like no, in order to for this love story to work, he's gonna be completely innocent. No, this is a, a deeply flawed man. And uh, I, I like that Jason Reitman didn't back away from that. He actually, you know, leaned into it through the entire story. I mean, you can tell he's 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 pretty rough around the edges, even when he's, you know, he can be friendly to them, but he can turn on a dime. Yeah, he definitely seems dangerous. He's nice to them here, and he ends up making them chili. I just made chili this past weekend, so I was kind of scoping out what his recipe looked like. I didn't really <laughs> – he, he poured coffee in. He lost me at that point, though. <laughs> Where is this – story taking place it's not texas i don't know if it's explicitly stated like is it a regional thing that you put coffee in your chili or is it a prison thing i'd imagine the latter he does some stuff in here that you know i I think he picked up on the inside all that all that pie making breakfast you have to try one so throughout this movie, we get these really weird, like Terrence Malick uh, interstitials that give us more backstory before we know it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just kind of like these, they're not even montages. There's those flashes of story that we don't know what they mean until pretty much the end of the film. I thought these were kind of cool. They threw me off the first few times, but it was kind of, once I figured out what was going on, that this is potentially backstory for the characters we're working with here, it uh, really got me intrigued as to like how this was all going to come together. How long did it take you to figure out that that was uh, that we were watching a, a young Josh Brolin? It was probably by like the second or third sequence, because I was like, that guy looks like a young Josh Brolin. And then... <laughs> 
they 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 had to dub his voice over because when he talked, I was like, "That's fucking Josh Brolin's voice." Come yeah, on now. Yeah, that was uh, either that or he, that guy's great with accents and, and impersonations. Uh, I like them too, especially because for so many of them, they're they just uh, worthless. They they don't nobody speaks. It's just uh, the comparison to Malik is pretty good because yeah, it's just images and music and. It's kind of a yeah. This little poem that's woven around the main narrative. It's it's pretty impressive. And then eventually, you know, you get one for Kate Winslet too, uh, with a, with a voiceover. An even more important question is, how long did it take you to realize that we were not watching Jason Reitman's version of Funny Games, but instead <laughs> we were <laughs> we were really going to be a, a part of this love story. You're the romantic here out of the two, so I think that you're better attuned to that kind of thing. Like, could you feel the the chemistry between Winslet and Brolin right away, or were well, you too I mean, shocked he, by what was happening at first? He's, he spoon feeds her food, so that's like day one in the romance tropes. But uh, <laughs> it's assumed at some point he washed her hair too. <laughs> but like the way she's looking at him longingly is, uh, it's either before or after that that we get one of those sequences of a flashback to the past of Kate Winslet explaining to her 13 year old son, what like horniness is. And (laughs) we can tell by the way Winslet's looking at him with like her lips, just like her mouth, just slightly open. And you know, the, the unwavering eye contact that there's obviously, uh, there's something in the air at first. It may just be lust. uh, Cause you know, it's probably a situation that is kind of hot in some ways. Um, but, it eventually does turn into full-fledged love when they begin talking about, you know, their experiences in life. And even Brolin after day one tells Henry, he's like, how would a man let a woman like your mom get away? That type of thing. So, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it seems unconventional, but it does appear to be love at first sight. I like that they do. They put in the work. You're right. I, I, I'd almost forgotten. I don't know how. I almost forgot about that, that little flashback where uh, Kate Winslet gives uh, Henry her version of, of sex ed. Uh, which is very frank. I mean, there is a difference between having the sex talk with your dad versus having the sex talk with your mom. And depending on whether you're a, a guy or a girl, I think. Like, Either way, co- it, I don't want like my parents being like, I haven't gotten up in it in a while and I'm horny. I, I don't want to hear that from my folks. <laughs> right. But can you imagine if it was Clark Gregg having that conversation with with Henry? You know, it's different. It plays, it plays funny. When Kate Winslet does it, it, it plays like sad. You know, it's just like, man, this poor woman. She she really she's missing something. And then she misses casual sex. <laughs> yeah, but but also Toby McGuire's voiceover. He kind of makes the point. I don't remember the exact words, but he's basically saying, you know, I was there for my mom, but but she was still missing something that I couldn't provide. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the movie didn't take that turn. Uh, bad boy, Bubby. <laughs> But what I'm saying is that they need to lay the groundwork for us to really buy into this this romance between Brolin and Winslet uh, in the middle of a very uh, normally violent situation, right? This is like she he's taking them hostage, even if he doesn't have a gun, even if he's being somewhat friendly about it. This is still it's it's uh, you know it, it turns into a home invasion. Not what you think of when you think of a romantic movie. And so I'm glad that they took the time, the movie, Jason Reitman, the, the actors, you know, they all took the time to 
make sure that we understood why is it that this woman can't help herself and just but find her captor attractive. I mean, it's not even Stockholm Syndrome because it's been not even a day. So, you know, it's not that. It's just that there's really animal lust between the two of them. And it's, uh, in a way, <laughs> uh, foreshadowing a future role of, uh, of Brolin's, you know, he is inevitable. Boo. <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking about it. Uh, they got to be somewhere in the Northeast because they talk about going to Canada uh, as their escape, and also uh, Roland's wearing a Red Sox cap when they see him the first time, or when he gets in the car with them. That's true. Okay, well, listeners from the Northeast, do you put coffee in your chili? Let hey, us man. know. I'll try anything once. So he sticks around the house. Uh, the plan is there's a set of train tracks that is behind the property that um, Adele and Henry live on, that it's about a 20-minute walk. And he is going to... In the morning, head that way and jump on a train out of town. Just like bandits back at the fucking industrial revolution, I guess. But (laughs) the problem is it's a holiday weekend, so the trains aren't running. It's Labor Day weekend, so he's going to be there for a few days. So while he's there, he assumes the role kind of of the the dad of the house. He starts fixing shit, changing the oil on the car, uh, swapping out tires, you know, cleaning and even going to the floor. He's, He's making us all look bad. He is. He's a, he's a superman, and I, I don't mean that in the Clark Kent way. Um, but he also goes as far as to teach Henry how to throw a ball and uh, you know how to play some baseball, which is, as you know, of course, the American pastime. You know, so the ultimate dad dad son moment. It's like he could tell that Clark Gregg hadn't been pulling his weight as as a father. <laughs> He stepped up. He snapped his fingers and stepped up. <laughs> During the sequence of events, a wild J.K. Simmons appears, uh, satisfying his court-mandated per-appearance film with Jason Reitman. And boy, what a haircut and outfit we have on Mr. Simmons here. The uh, future Academy Award winner is uh, sporting one hell of a comb-over. He's got just a big bucket of peaches, and he's stopping by to say, hey, uh, let's Henry know, you know, give these to your mom. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Brolin's got her by the throat in the back room. and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> is this a different kind of foreplay? Do you think, I mean, you look at Kate Winslet in this scene, is she is she truly scared or is she a little turned on? I mean, it could go either way, honestly. Because this is right before she's, what is she doing? Is she, is she fixing his pants, right? She's, she's sewing something. Yeah, she's yes. sewing his pants and he's asking her about some scar she has and yeah, J.K. Simmons appears, and he, he obviously he's on the he's hiding out. So he tells Henry, "Don't say anything." And J.K. Simmons, even so much so, is like, "Hey, you know, there's a killer on the loose out here." <laughs> anyway, here's a hundred peaches. I like this this J.K. Simmons, uh, the, the J.K. Simmons that we don't get anymore because you know he won the Oscar for Whiplash, so now now he's he's a badass. But this is back when he was just a character actor that was happy to get the job and and. You know, sometimes he got a big part, like in Juno, and sometimes he got one scene, like in uh, Up in the Air or or here in Labor Day. And you can just see he's he's having a good time. He's happy. He's he's soft. There's a softness to his character, <laughs> friendliness that uh, you don't really get to see much uh, now. Now it's, he's an Oscar winner, so he takes it all very seriously. Hi, Henry. I was looking for your mother. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Jervis. She's not home. Oh, well, that's, that's not like her. Has she been following the news? 
I'm trying to think of the last time I saw J.K. Simmons with his hands, like not his hands on his hips, but that thing where it's the the top of your hands because you got him folded back on your hips, and he's like smiling at him. <laughs> like that's kind of what he's doing in this shot here. And I don't I don't know if he's done that since in real life or on screen. <laughs> yeah, the Oscar changes you. I mean, it may be a small role in the sense that he only has five minutes of screen time, but this is one of the most important. Uh, things to happen in the movie because the peaches basically uh, define the rest of the relationship and the rest of the story for for the characters and for the audience. Uh, how do you feel about peaches, Alex? Peaches are all right. It's one of the fruits that like I got spoiled with in Ohio. They're really fucking good there. It's like corn also. Corn on the cob in Ohio versus Texas, there's no comparison. And so like in Ohio, when I was a kid, I really liked um, you take a fresh peach cut it into slices, toast some bread, and put some uh, butter and cinnamon on it, and then make like a peach sandwich. But I don't know that I can say I've had like a really good peach in Texas. The Mac and all peaches, Jerry. That's also what I think <laughs> of. But uh, this is what happens here. He brings these peaches, very nice serving, but way too much for you know two people to eat. They're already ripened. And um, Josh Brolin's like, well, I got an idea. And... <laughs> This is like the uh, sex scene with Adele and Emma in Blue is the Warmest Color, but it's making a peach pie. God. <laughs> See, I was going to go with a classic. I was just going to say this is the, the pottery scene in Ghost, uh, except that there's three people involved. This, in is, a minor. this is way nastier than Ghost. This is just <laughs> <laughs> like the shit Josh Brolin says, help me put a roof on this house. It's like... <laughs> this is so clearly like a, not even a metaphor. It's like they're fucking via making pie. <laughs> uh, and the kid's there watching. And he's, uh, wa- he's watching like a kid <laughs> caught his parents having sex. Like he's just like staring like, what do I do? Uh, he even makes a comment about how he doesn't know when uh, his mom's hands had started shaking. But then... Josh Brolin obviously was the, was the cure for that because it's brought up at that moment and then we never see Kate Winslet's uh, hands shake again. So until the end. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, the, the peach pie cures all <laughs> all uh, all illnesses. I guess. I mean, all kidding aside, as a, as a food connoisseur, and uh, I think somebody that prides himself on being a, a judge of you know good eating. Is this a good pie? Like sexual tension aside, when when we get to the end result, certainly looks like it. The, it. Like there was so much filling in it. I don't know how you would cut it like a slice of pie. You just have to like eat the whole thing, I guess, or just kind of take turns with a spoon <laughs> or some shit. But yeah, it looks good. The crust looks good. Looks tender and moist. Uh, you know, again, peach pie wouldn't be my go-to. But I again, you know the sexual symbolism of the peach and everything i think it it's it was fitting for this if they made like a a blueberry pie people would be like who fucking cares <laughs> it had to be peaches yeah uh it's cool that that's a uh, rideman doing something that normally i mean a less skilled filmmaker probably wouldn't have been able to avoid a, an r rating or an x rating even with that kind of scene but he he manages to just walk the line of good taste. And it's very, Release very the, romantic. The NC-17 cut of Labor Day. 
<laughs> that scene is like 30 minutes. <laughs> it is the it's the 13 minutes from Blue is Warmest Color. Uh, <laughs> so they want him to stay. The next day he's like, well, I'm fixing to head out. And, um, they make up some excuse about, oh, your stitches still need to heal. And at this point, it's just like, what is going on? You know, in normal circumstances, you'd be like, how crazy are these people? This killer just offered to leave and, you know, take himself off your hands and you're asking him to stick around. But I think we as the audience know that it's bigger than that. There's love in the air and not even just, you know, the love between a man and a woman here. It's Henry's found something that he's been craving for so long, a a male approval and a male friendship from like not just a peer, but, you know, that adult parental, that that dad mentality that he doesn't have. So uh, on one hand, it is kind of crazy that they're asking him to stay, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's a lot bigger than just a murder conviction. Love is crazy, Alex. And that's love between, you know, two people that are falling in love, romance and love between a, a, a kid and his, his new father figure. It just, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I appreciate that Kate Winslet put some boundaries because she puts a stop to Brolin. Uh, I think it's uh, right after uh, J.K. Simmons leaves, and Henry obviously has lied to him, right? He he managed to get him away, and then Kate Winslet tells uh, Josh Brolin, "I don't like this. I don't like that." He looked at you for approval. He was really proud that that you that you were happy with how he handled the situation, and I don't want him to get that kind of positive reinforcement for that for lying. Uh, she's got to tell him, okay, well, if you're gonna be his dad, you need to do better than this. You can't just smile and pat him on the back when he when he lies. You need to do something better. And I guess that's why he eventually teaches him how to do other things, like changing a tire. And uh, what does he tell him? You don't want to learn how to change a tire when you're in the middle of a date. Yes, which is absolutely true. Julio, do you know how to change a tire? I I've seen a couple of YouTube videos. Have I you ever changed a tire before? <laughs> I've I've stood next to the person that was changing the tire and not what in my head. What are you fucking head. Ralphie from A Christmas Story? <laughs> I, I can't think of the last time I had to change a tire. Yeah, me neither. I I did get a flat one time <laughs> on the way to work at the theater, and I pulled over on like uh, BK's Road, and it was like right in that uh, overlook. So it was really, a really nice view when I changed it. People overrate how hard it is to change a tire. It's as long as you're okay with like maybe getting a little dirty, then it's really not that big of a deal. But he, he's absolutely right. A lot of work. It's it's not, but okay. Uh, well, you're a strong man. I I really. <laughs> you have to lift the whole car. I, I have faith in you, Julio. But he's exactly <laughs> right. If you're if you're a young man out there listening to this, heed the words of Josh Brolin on this. You never want to have a flat tire and not know how to change it if you're out on a date. Because, you know, male, female, whatever whatever you're into, it's a good way to impress someone is if you get a flat tire and you can change it. It's so also like uh, if you can make a peach pie. If you can if you can bake a mean pie and you know how to change a tire, people may overlook the fact that you murdered someone. <laughs> it's It's been documented on text and film. <laughs> uh, so, so, okay, but, but actually, the main question, Alex, I, I got sidetracked with the, with the thing about Henry. We are two days into this weekend. This long weekend. Have Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin had sex yet? Because the movie never tells us when it happens, but I'm pretty sure it happened at some point, right? That's what I was going to ask you next. Is this kid listening to them fuck at night? Like it, <laughs> it shows them in bed. Well, so we're two nights in, I think. And I, I don't think that the first night it happened. 
But the second night, like after the pie, I, I'd be surprised. I mean, why would have made them wait? <laughs> because if Henry hadn't been in the room, they would have had sex on top of the pie. It's absolutely true. They would have just started like taking handfuls of it and shoving it on each other's faces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it had to happen at some point. I mean, this kid goes out. He eventually runs into this girl around town that we have really no idea what her purpose is or where she came from. Do we even find out her name? No, she's I, my notes say uh, Henry's girlfriend. Yeah, that's fine. He eventually takes a friend. And what we're trying to uh, stress with this is there's a lot of alone time for um, Frank and Adele <laughs> back at home. <laughs> Anytime that Henry's out of the house, you know what's happening. I mean, even the little girl knows. She she tells him, it's like, you know, they probably just sent you out to the pharmacy or whatever so they could have sex. Not unlike uh, Woody Harrelson in Semi-Pro when he sends Rob Corddry <laughs> out to get some Ben Gay. Were you afraid that we're going to have a scene where Henry comes back from the store and he just finds Broly and wins going at it? You know, I know they're having sex because in one of the montages of him working around the house, Kate Winslet has flowers in her hair. And she's not going to San Francisco. She's just there to, you know, look pretty for uh, Josh Brolin. Um, My mom wouldn't leave me behind. When people have sex, it affects their brains. They can't see things normally. It's like a drug. Uh, in the most random casting of the film, James Vanderbeek appears as uh, one of the local police officers. Uh, I never watched a single episode of Dawson's Creek. Was his name Dawson or was Dawson's Creek the place they lived? <laughs> his name was Dawson. Okay. And the creek was his. <laughs> it was a show about a creek. <laughs> well, okay, so you've never watched Dawson's Creek. So do you know, have you seen him in anything? I mean, Varsity Blues. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That was his big, like, I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to make movies now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he that- was just, he was around for a minute. He was just one of those, you couldn't really be a teenager or a kid uh, or a young adult in American pop culture at the time without knowing who he was. It would be like similar if like, you didn't have to see a Twilight movie to know who Robert Pattinson was, that type of thing. Right. Uh, I know he has a pretty funny cameo in, uh, Jay and Stanley Bob strike back. I think he plays one of the superheroes. You know, they're they're making the movie based on the comic, and the I think he plays one of them. Uh, and he says something like, "I think he's he's getting into it with Jason Biggs," and he, he tells Biggs something like, "You wouldn't last a day in the creek." <laughs> <laughs> for me, James Vanderbeek, though, for our. Uh, listeners who are also as big of a fan of the goods as I am. There's a just outstanding line of dialogue about James Vanderbeek in that movie. Uh, but yeah, he's, I <laughs> he's mean, not he, even in the movie. They just have a no, line about him. No, but Ving Rames has one line about him. That's like just iconic to me, but here officer Treadwell is his name and character. And why not? I mean, he's handsome and good looking and plays the role of a cop. He's got like two scenes. It's just, again, kind of adding to the mystique of this movie and the the random characters. Uh, not far behind, uh, Micah Monroe from It Follows fame is revealed to be the previous girlfriend or I guess wife of uh, Frank. Um, we see these Malick-esque uh, shots of their marriage kind of falling apart. We don't quite know how it ends, but it doesn't seem like it's going uh, anywhere good uh, pretty fast. So, and again, Julio, I'm just stressing here, there's faces and stars all over the place here. You're not getting punched in the face when you watch this. It's just that's there's that amount of stars in this. 
<laughs> yeah. Speaking of those those flashbacks, though, like the the, the brawling ones, did you figure it out before he did that uh, his wife was being unfaithful? Because I thought that there was, you know, this is good filmmaking. There's that shot where they're coming. I think they have a baby by then, but they're they're coming down, you know, a road. There's like a fair or something, and then a guy and his wife, I guess, or his girlfriend walk past him. And you can see Brolin's wife exchange a look with this guy. And it's just kind of like blink and, and you miss it. But obviously the way it's shot, it's like you, you can't miss it. it. It's not, it doesn't have a follow-up right away. But then later on, when you revisit the, the flashbacks and when it expands on the story, you can see that that's one of the guys that she was cheating with. So the clues were there all along. Yeah, uh, it's and then just like... That, yeah, you're right, because then there's the shot of him at the bowling alley being like, what time does the women's league start? The guy behind the counter is like, women's league's on Tuesdays. And, you know, Brolin gets all pissed off and storms out. What's um, a women's league? <laughs> women? Mister? This is the <laughs> 1920s. What's more tragic, though? Brolin's story, his flashback, or Kate Winslet's flashbacks? Dude, Kate Winslet's is awful. And, you know, this is only a year, uh, two years removed from... Uh, Revolutionary Road, mm-hmm. or like, I mean, the, the subject of that's more in the line with abortion and not necessarily miscarriage, but we just get this awful montage of her trying to repeatedly have babies. And that's a real thing that happens to people. Uh, and it's heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking here as well. But at the end of it, you're just like, she was left kind of a broken woman. And you're like, God, Clark Gregg was a fucking piece of shit because he yep. just like skipped out on her. I wouldn't say that he's been playing the cool dad whenever we've seen him, but he just seems like, uh, like you see him, can't imagine that he, because that's his backstory as well. But when you see him, you don't see him as somebody who has that kind of trauma in his life. When you see Kate Winslet, you do. So that makes him even more of an asshole that he was just, you know, he just moved on and started from scratch. And you look at him and you know, it's, it's like that didn't happen to him. You know, that just happened to Kate Winslet. He even, you know, at the end of the movie, when he explains to his son that uh, he loved his mom, but he just wanted a normal life. It's like, dude, that's not what in sickness and in health means. Like, yep. Piece of shit, Clark Gregg. <laughs> that's, that's the main takeaway. Fuck Clark Gregg in this movie. Uh, the tension builds, though, as one of the neighbors uh, brings over her son. She's needing someone to watch her kid. Um, Barry. It's a mm-hmm. young boy with uh, cerebral palsy, and this is probably like the best good guy Josh Brolin seen because he just you know immediately friends the kid and has him play baseball with him and stuff like that. Uh, and they have a good night. And when the mom comes back, the news is on, and the kid uh, again. This young man has a cerebral palsy, so his communication is a little bit different than uh, you know your eyes would be, and he's trying to explain to his mother what's going on, and his mom just ends up hitting him and doesn't believe him. It's a really fucked up scene. Um, it somehow makes that lady a worse mom than Kate Winslet, who is <laughs> hooking up with a murderer in front of her son. Because at least Kate Winslet definitely, hasn't resorted to violence. Yeah, in the movie at this point kind of asks you, like, who's the real criminal? That type of thing. Yes. <laughs> so did you think that Barry was just, was he just trying to tell his mom, hey, I know that guy? Or was he trying to, like, do you think that he was aware that the news were saying, hey, this guy's dangerous? And so was he trying to warn his mom or was he just saying, hey, that yeah, guy's a TV? Saw, 
he saw his picture on the TV and he started saying, Frank, Frank, Frank. And she just had no idea what he was talking about. Okay, so it's Seth. not that Barry was, was going to rat on, on Frank. I think he was. He looked to have a, a bit of fear in his eyes. So Okay, I think- well, that's fucked up. He should be afraid of his mom, not just rolling. We get more of um, this relationship between this young girl in town and Henry. Uh, and again, I don't yeah, remember if she was even given a name, but um, she was sent there to live with her dad, I think she said, uh, because she was having a hard time at school. Basically, it's just the first girl to kind of give Henry attention and, you know, kind of wise beyond her years type thing. But they have a few interactions and they, they kiss in the end, but uh, I don't. Are we to believe that that's his girlfriend at the end of the movie? Well, somebody. Oh, no, no, no. Well, the one that he sees that we see like Tobey Maguire with? I don't think so. Okay. I wasn't sure. I'm just making sure here. I mean, this movie does hinge on the idea of everlasting love, so I didn't know if that could possibly be the case. I don't think that this little girl had any real feelings for Henry. I think that she was just in, you know, because she's running laps around him. <laughs> In every oh, yeah. scene that they're in, he's. I, I like that she was such a uh, good counterpoint to his, uh, not necessarily his innocence, but there, there's this undercurrent throughout the movie of his, uh, uh, you know, his hidden puberty. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, like there's a that montage where he's looking at all these uh, magazines featuring women, and uh, they intercut that with images of uh, Josh Brolin and his mom being affectionate, and intercut with uh, scenes of him looking at a. a the girl that sits in front of him in school. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, he's 13. It's He's just getting all those really confusing feelings. I think that Reitman captures that very well. But he also captures the fact that most girls his age have already kind of like figured out that part. And now they're just, you know, she speaks a lot more bluntly. She she may be wrong in the way that she's assessing certain situations, but at least she has this, uh, this confidence that, uh, somebody like Henry doesn't have because he's just so confused about everything that's happening. So I, I really like that pairing. And I don't think that she cared. You know, she just she was just talking to this kid because he was there. He was the one that was talking to her. I would be surprised if uh, she even remembers him the next day. <laughs> Bonnie was this woman who was bored because she hadn't had sex in a long time. This guy Clyde just showed up one day and took her away. They drove all around, holding up banks and living out of their car. What happened to them? In the end, they got killed. Federal agents tracked them and gunned them down in an ambush. Uh, we mentioned the really unfortunate uh, explanation of Kate Winslet's backstory from, you know, basically her history from when she had Henry to hear. And it seems as though Frank has come to kind of save her. And, you know, he needs saving, too, uh, because we learned that, yeah, he did. Uh, kill his wife, uh, albeit it looked accidental. Uh, but then, unfortunately, also during this, his baby ended up dying, drowning in the bathtub, and it's it's rough shit, man. It goes to show that, yeah, even at darkest hour, you know, there's still light at the end of the tunnel, that type of thing. It's what I was saying at the beginning of this conversation that by the time that we get this reveal, and it's shown that he ended up in jail because he found out that his wife was cheating on him. So they got into an argument. Is it that she laughs at him? I think she laughs at him. And then he he slaps her, he pushes her, and she trips backwards and hits her head on the radiator or something and, and dies. That kills her. And then, yeah, during the fight, you know, the, the bathtub overflows and drowns the baby, I guess. But all that stuff, we learn all this information after we've had an hour and a half with Josh Brolin. So we've we've grown attached to him and we see him as this this rough guy that but 
you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's just a little rough. Then we have to make the same decision that Kate Winslet has to make throughout the movie, right? Like, do I look past this guy's uh, flaws in the name of love, or do I cut loose and, you know, just save myself and my son? That's very delicate filmmaking, and I, I think that uh, Reidman pulls it off. So the plan is they're going to escape. They're all going to leave together. They're going to go to Canada uh, and start a new life there. They don't need passports to get across the border. So the plan is in motion. The plan is set. They're going to leave first thing on Monday morning, which is also first day of school. So busy day for all all involved. Uh, the morning of, Henry goes and leaves his dad a note in his mailbox. He just wants his dad to know that he's going to be safe because obviously they can't tell anybody about this. Uh, on his walk home, Dawson reappears, says, you know, ain't she supposed to be in school or something like that? And uh, offers to give him a ride back home, takes uh, him back to Adele in their home. And he can tell there's something suspicious, Aloysius, as Ned Flanders would say. And they're all packed up and he kind of looks around the house and then he takes off. Uh, and, you know, the, the clock is a ticking. Josh Brolin says, you know, we got to leave now. So he sends Kate Winslet and Henry to the bank and they go to take out a large sum of money. And man, they are just really, really bad liars. She's like sweating and not able to answer questions properly. And this is the one part. This is the first episode of uh, Ozark. I always kind of agree with this. Give me my fucking money. If I have my money in here right now, you should give it to me. Like if I'm able to prove my identity, give me my fucking money. That was always something I had to deal with at my time with Wells Fargo. And I couldn't explain. It's like, oh, it's, you know, security procedures, even though I know who you say you are. Um, If I have $500,000 in the bank. I should be able to go to a bank and take out $500,000. And Kate Winslet should just say that. Give me my fucking money. But she tries to be like, uh, 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 uh. She, she's no Marty. That's the problem. She, yes. <laughs> she needs a Jason Bateman by her side. Too bad she had a Reitman and not a Bateman. <laughs> uh, this, were you disappointed that we didn't get some sort of recognizable movie star as either the bank teller or the bank manager? In this scene. Oh, dude, I, w- I was like just praying that the uh, manager was going to be like fucking, uh, I don't know, Clooney, Clooney or something like that. <laughs> or Sam the cashier Elliot. was like Sam Elliott. There you go. Clooney or, Sam, or uh, the uh, teller was Vera Farmiga or something like <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> so they do get the money that they're asking for and they head back. Uh, but at this point, it's come off the rails. As the neighbor from earlier, I think her name was Evelyn or Eleanor or something like that, comes back to kind of repay the favor, so to speak, and so brings walks like into the ba- house. Yeah, I do have no interest in living in a neighborhood like that. I would like to live in a smaller neighborhood, but I never <laughs> want to be where someone who doesn't live there just walks into the house. But she does and sees Josh Brolin, and he's immediately like, I'm just the handyman. I don't know what's going on. By the time uh, Adele and Henry get back, it's too late. Uh, the note reveals that something's going on. Henry wants to say goodbye to his room. He runs up to do so. It goes deathly quiet in the house, and they can hear the police sirens uh, wailing from what sounds to be about a mile away. And so Brolin ties both of them to the kitchen chairs. He says his goodbyes to both of them and gives up peacefully. because He, he accepts his fate. It. He accepts he it like, like an adult. You know, he's caught. You know, what's, what is he going to do? He makes it seem as though they're hostages, and he he's done. Well, but that's not where the story ends. I mean, thankfully, this would be pretty sad if that's where it ended. But we we learn that 
from all this bad came a lot of good. Namely, uh, Henry grew up to be Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> and and now he is he is he a chef? Is he a a, a baker? Is he running Hell's Kitchen now? What what's the deal? He's he's a he celebrity. Has a bakery. Yeah, he's like a a celebrity chef. Uh, he's a baker. He has his own bakery, and I guess they make peach pies. Pie a la Brolin, which catches the eye of uh, Brolin in prison. Frank sees this and like, hey, I made that pie once. <laughs> Uh, real quick though, in an act of desperation, Kate Winslet goes and tells the prosecutor like he did not hold us against our will, and he's basically like, "Oh, well then that's aiding and abetting, and you're gonna go to prison, and you're gonna lose custody of your son." And uh, but it sounds like Adele just kind of went in a tailspin after this. She gave up custody of her son, gave uh, Henry back to his dad, uh, but all this culminates in the end where. He writes Henry and says, you know, I'm proud of you. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to respond to this, that's fine. But I'd like to see your mom. I'm about to get out of here. You know, this would be 25 years later. And he does. And Kate Winslet's waiting for him there. And I guess they live happily ever after because, you know, love is love. Love never dies. It comes in strange shapes and sizes. But it's it's when it's there, it's eternal. Uh, thankfully, they did not suffer. Uh, they, they did not have to suffer through just this type of overbearing old people makeup that so many movies like to put on uh, their stars. There's a little bit of old people makeup, but it's it's pretty subdued, I think. It's very graceful. So you can you can see them and you're like, yeah, it's been it's been a couple of decades, but but they still look like themselves. They don't look like people wearing masks. So I, I appreciated that too. And it is a happy ending. I mean they just kind of walk toward the horizon and Toby Maguire assures us that uh, his mom finally found what she was looking for. He said, I always wondered that my mom would have to, or I worried about my mom going out into the world alone, and now I know she'll never have to. But she better not make him mad. This needs to happen. A satisfying romance. I think that we earned that happy ending. There's a, I'm sure there's a draft of this story where they don't get together at the end. It's just a, a slightly more realistic. You know, Toby Maguire can open his his pie shop, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be featured in an article that happens to make it to Josh Rollins' cell. But I like this. I like the fairy tale end because we we went through so much. We deserve that. And, and the characters did yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a movie. Give us what we want in the end. <laughs> yeah. We, we, you put us through two very, very uh, harrowing flashbacks <laughs> for each of the main characters. <laughs> that Okay, we'll put up with that if you at least give us a, a happily ever after at the end. Now, Alex, we've sung this movie's uh, praises. Are you ready for real talk? I am. What the fuck is this movie, man? <laughs> Take a peach. Thank you. Now, the filling is easy. What I want to talk about is crust. You got to keep your ingredients cool. Hot day like this is challenge enough. Phone rings while you're making a crust. You just let them call you back. Next it up. 